Hey, this is Steve, and welcome back to the Endurance Path Podcast. This is the Margie Gessick 100 race report from the year 2017. And, uh, you know, big thanks to the whole Margie Gessick crew, Top of Cat, Danny Hill, Marquette County, Ishpeming, Nagani, Marquette, um, the worst aid station uh, that was put on by the Quick Stop Bike Shop. Um, I think there's probably some other shops in fall. I don't know the, the names of them, uh, but really any, any thanks to everybody in the whole area that the community up there is phenomenal, uh, around putting this race on. So this, this race has become a, a pretty special race in my opinion. And, uh, it's raising a lot of money for the local trails up there. And if you get up there and ride, you'll, you'll really appreciate the, uh, the work that's gone into the trail systems, uh, that are there. So, uh, if you, if you never get a chance to do this race, at least get up there and go ride. Uh, it's, it's great riding. Anyways, the report's long enough, so we're just gonna, I'm going to jump right into it. So here you go. Enjoy. Marge Gessick 100 course details and venue of the race. So this is a point to point uh, hundred mile race. Uh, it's, it's, I came in around 105, just under 105, 104 something, uh, climbing's around 12,000 feet. I think my, my GPS was stuff was showing a little under 12,000. I've seen people that showed, showed more, um, as far as, uh, elevation, you know, the, the course runs a low of around 600 feet and about a high of 1600 feet, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the, there's very few long, sustained, grinding climbs. You know, there's there's a couple in there, uh, but they're not you know um, you know out west or you know Appalachian area long, sustained climbs. You know, a lot of the elevation comes from short, punchy climbs. Uh, but on top of the climbs, you know, the hills being short and punchy on single track. Uh, you know, they're usually, it's got some rocks or roots and, you know, those ones that where you just really get a crest over the top of it. There's a few rocks or tree roots that you kind of have to go over. So it, it's work. I mean, this, this course makes you work and it kind of breaks you down as you go. Uh, you know, you got, it's a, you got to keep your head in the game on this one. So it's a point to point race. It covers you know, what I believe I think is, uh, you know, three, uh, different, um, trail areas, you know, so you have kind of like the North Marquette, which is that Harlow Lake. It's the, there's a trailhead there, the Forestville trailhead. Uh, so there's trails in that area. And then you go to the South side, uh, and then it's the South trail system, which, you know, you could spend in a couple of days at on its own. And then there's the, you know, the Nagani and Ishpeming loops. So this race connects all of those trail networks. Uh, it's, it's, it's very cool. It's a self-supported race, you know, so that means, uh, you can have your own SAG support for, uh, hydration and nutrition needs. Uh, but you gotta be packed to repair your own, repair your own stuff, you know, fix your, fix your bike yourself. So, um, but you, you, you can take outside support for, 
nutrition and hydration, you know, at least this year. So this I'm covering the 2017 here. Uh, you know, and that being said, because of that, there's a lot of, uh, you know, the local community, whether that's the, the, the local shops or just uh, folks out in their front yard. I remember coming across at one point that were passing out water and, uh, you know, Gatorade or whatever it was. So yeah, there's, there's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty neat setup. Uh, I, I like it. I enjoyed it. I, I mean, I like, I like the way the race is set up. Uh, you know, um, it, uh, as far as, uh, you know, it starts at this trailhead, uh, that's actually probably stems from like a ski ski area trailhead. And then the finish is in downtown Ishpeming. And some of the other races that happen up there uh, start at that end. And then like the, the order shore starts, um, I think actually starts in, in uh, Nagani, but goes through Ishpeming near the start and then finishes in Marquette. So this race kind of goes the opposite direction. Uh, but oh, it's, it's, a, it's a cool race. Check-ins Friday night. You could check in, you know, the morning of. You were allowed a drop bag. It's uh, located 65 to 70 miles into the race. I think I was, you know, somewhere in there, 65 to 70 is when you hit the drop bag. And then he circled back around it again, about 90 miles in. And, you know, so it's, it's a, it's a fun setup. So I guess I won't dive much more into it from that. Uh, other than, uh, we'll just jump right into the report. So I kind of, uh, broke the report down into to sections and I'll, I'll tell you what section of the, the course I'm, I'm covering as I'm reading through when I start each section and it's, it's, it follows right along with my written report. So if you've gone through my written report, you kind of follow along and you may get a little extra thoughts and commentary in the audio version here. So off to the start, the start of the Margie Gessick 100 back to the Forestville trailhead. An incompletely slow roll it out from the start line took off with what I kind of felt like was a fairly conservative effort. My plan was to stay steady, ease up the pace over time, you know, it's depending on how I felt. Uh, you, you, you see me write often, or I've kind of talked about this lately in some of the podcasts uh, about going out way too hard, or I set different goals for races and that kind of thing, even if it might be detrimental to my, you know, my in-game overall finish. Uh, but this year, this race, uh, the Margie Gessick this year was, my, my plan was to race smart. Uh, and I wanted to finish with the best, you know, best time possible. So I was chasing a buckle, but I was also aware that there was course changes this year. Uh, the course could have been tougher or was going to probably be tougher. And, uh, with the heat, you know, that the buckle could potentially be a stretch as well. So I was, I wanted to race as smart as I possibly could. Um, and then one thing to mention on this too, is, you know, you talk about pacing yourself and races and that kind of thing. This is a very difficult race to pace yourself. Um, you know, and it's, it's a bit of a teaser when you take off from the start line, you kind of feel like, okay, you know, this is good. I can handle this. But as you, once you get into that first tough set of single track, which, which we'll get into it, uh, you kind of get that wake up call and you realize that there really isn't like a, a pacing yourself. You're, you're going to redline in some sections and you might even redline and not be on your bike because of the, just the difficulty of some of that off the bike, hike a bike stuff. So back to the very start, the Le Mans start. So I left, I left the run with a few rows back, 
shortly after the start of it, I actually noticed Jeremiah Bishop running next to me. And I think he was doing some recording type stuff or whatever, because I heard him kind of say he wasn't ready for that. And I thought he kind of had a camera out or something. But uh, I don't think he was up at the front of the start line when it started, basically. And I was running to him for a short period. And then he eventually kind of worked his way forward. I think probably obviously tried to find the find the front of the front of the pack. Um, and I, I really don't know what type of placing I came out of the run in either. And I, I kind of took my, my time, I guess. I, when I come off the run, I, I tried to, I didn't, I had my hydration pack on me. I was actually carrying my Garmin. So I finished the run. I had to put my Garmin on my bike and throw my hydration pack on. And I tried to just stay as relaxed as possible. Uh, I didn't jog the run by any means, but I, uh, I tried to stay relaxed on it. Uh, once on the bike, I, I rode steady. Uh, I was passing people in the, uh, you know, the rolling hills and the ski trails and I wasn't necessarily pushing the effort super hard. Uh, but I, I was just, I carried my speed. Well, uh, it's something I've kind of worked on too, is just carrying speed up those hills, not waiting until you're in the hill to pedal, uh, some things like that. I made the descent down the gravel road to, there's like a small opening down there and then you make like a hard left. Um, I think you pass through a couple of rocks, you come out to a little opening, make a left and then make another hard left that this is where like your first set of actual trail starts. And this is the single track that takes you up toward the top of the world. Uh, I made the climb up to the top. I actually, there's, you go straight up and there's like a little, little single track to the right to kind of switch backs up at. I, I rode up that little switchback single track to the right and there was a big line of folks. Everybody was off their bike already starting to hike down. And quite honestly, I was, I was kind of relieved about that. I really want to ride it. I think I can ride it. My, my technical game has improved a lot this year, but also at the same time, I knew it was going to be wet and with pe- people around and having to potentially dodge other riders and stuff. I, I was happy there was a line there cause I, it was safer for me to just get off my bike and hike down it. Um, and, uh, I'll go back there sometime and, and ride it when it's, when it's dry and, and uh, whatnot. But um, one thing was kind of weird. I had this like weird knee pain come up, coming down the um, the hike a bike. And just, I think in some of those situations, you get some weird loads, whatnot on your knee. And I actually had the exact same pain come up uh, a couple days earlier when I was doing, uh, working with a client at the gym and some uh, training sessions, doing some, like with some lunges. But, um, and it's weird. I actually have not had that pain come back again since then. So I don't, I don't know what it was. Um, it was, it was, it was painful though. And it, it, it kind of made me nervous. Um, you know, got back to the bottom of it, uh, headed down the trail and, and the top of the world is kind of like the first spot in the, the course that just really busts up the traffic. You get a little backed up as you're coming down. And then when you get to the top, everybody's kind of a little different pace, getting back on the bike and getting rolling again. And it kind of, kind of spreads things out. So the trail drops out onto a gravel road section and then you, uh, you get a chance to feed, you spin down an old like railroad bed and it's not a super long ways, but it's plenty of time to feed and whatnot. And one of the things that if you haven't done this race before, and you know, some people are going to be listening to this right after the race when I put it out here and then some people, you might come back to it again to listen, or you might listen to it the first time next year when you're getting ready. Um, you know, in a lot of races, like you hit, I hope those sections and then you want to hammer them. Um, and then in the Margie's a little bit of a different race because those are, they're usually very short and there's barely any of them. And you kind of take those opportunities. And my opinion was works for me is spin the legs out and get prepared for the next 
tough section of trail. But uh, anyways, so I, I took the opportunity to eat and, and uh, you kind of basically, you basically make a U-turn, but come back on some single track. Uh, the single track dumps you right back on into the previous gravel section that you're at. You actually kind of come out on it at that same intersection. Last year, you know, the previous year, the first year I did it, uh, is we took a short little gravel section of road to get onto uh, the next old rail trail. Uh, but this year there was actually some new single track to let us to what is literally an old railroad bed with the old railroad ties still in place. Um, they're, it's deteriorated, so it's not like you're riding on like brand new old railroad ties. I mean, it, there's overgrown and all that kind of thing. And it didn't actually feel as harsh this year as what I remember it the last year. And, and some of that might have been just because I was expecting it. Um, you know, and, and, and then I've I've ridden more technical stuff this year, so... My legs and stuff are probably a little more used to riding and pedaling through through stuff like that. But uh, at the end of the rail trail, some nice single track uh, dumps out on Harlow Lake Road. Uh, this year, we were not riding the Angry Bear Trail section that would take, uh, and we'd take Harlow Road uh, instead to the next trail section. So I, I caught up to, because uh, when I was coming down top of the world, there was a guy that I saw just like completely come down and clean it. And... Uh, Caught up to him on the gravel road, gave him some some kudos for that, and and uh, he he was he was happy. He said that's what he came up here for, so was to ride it. Uh, next section of trail was the same same from last year. Uh, lots of roots, lots of short little ups, ups and downs, and there's a there's a lot of this on the course. You may not consider it necessarily like even a punchy climb, but it's it's so much just kind of like up and over this section of roots before between trees and it's it uh it just stacks up on you there's no there's no momentum um in areas on a typical trail where you might have momentum to carry up and over some of this stuff you don't get it here because of the roots or rocks or uh, just just old old cut trail natural um natural trail and then you know it had rain the day before so it was a little wet uh, I, I don't think I rode through it as well as I did the previous year. Just, you know, just didn't, uh, um, I was kind of getting hung up a little bit or not hung up, but just it was a little slippery over some of the rocks and roots and that kind of thing. And, and, uh, but it eventually, uh, it eventually turns into this long rocky section and I, I actually can't remember exactly where it's at, but I think it, uh, I believe it comes prior to dumping out into kind of this little opening and, uh, then there's this, and it's, there's a rock section, whether it's before that opening or not, it's just, it's all rocks. Uh, and if you have to stop to get off your bike, you have a hard time getting going again because of the amount of rocks. And, you know, a lot of it is, is rideable too. Uh, I, you know, I did ride quite a bit, but I did have to hike some of it. Uh, but anyways, in that opening, there was a guy out there in a kilt playing bag cut, bagpipes. So that was, that was great. I, I thought I had seen some discussion about that potentially happening on Facebook earlier in the year. Good one, Todd. Uh, there's some more more tough single track, uh, but it, it does kind of mellow out. That brings you back to the bottom of Beagle Road Climb. Uh, same climb that you dropped down earlier in the day um, before getting to top of the world. Um, I, see, I seem to be feeling okay. I wasn't... One thing that I was noticing is that I was not um, recovering from those, those short, hard efforts. 
that were required, you know, to get up and over all that little short, little punchy stuff and just get up over the little rocks or the roots. Uh, it just, it seemed like it was stacking up on me. Uh, and I just, I just felt weak, uh, afterwards, like after every little one, it just wasn't recovering back from it. And I had had a, a, just a pretty nasty head cold for like the whole week leading up to it. And it was, uh, it was lingering for, for sure. I mean, I went to bed the night before the race with NyQuil and, and, uh, it was just, so I was still dealing with that. So I think that had something to do with it as well. I, that the week leading up to the race, I didn't get to put any, you know, good, hard, solid efforts in or whatnot. So I was, you know, a combination of probably feel a little bit flat from that as well. But, um, so anyways, what's once at the top, then it was, uh, this was new. So we took ski trails back up to the Forestville area instead of taking actually, uh, actually taking Forestville road like we did the previous year. So I ended up coming, uh, and then in turn from that too, instead of going up Forestville road and, and by taking the ski trails and you actually end up coming like pretty much like right back by the start line along the side of the barn that's there at the Forestville trailhead. So but I ended up coming back by the barn at the Forestville Trailhead about nine minutes faster than I would have passed uh, by that same adjacent location, you know, that, that Forestville Road would have come by, um, you know, over the last year. This, and again, that's not because I was going any faster. That's because that angry bear, angry bear trail section was gone, missing. And we hadn't, we hadn't yet hit the trails that were put into place to replace the removal of angry bear, angry bear from the tra- from the race. Uh, so I, I guess I, I never actually did this, but I could go back and see how long it took me to go through angry bear last year, which, you know, would tell me if I was actually ahead or behind schedule from the previous year. But, um, it, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. Cause you'll, we get to the next section. It'll, it'll, it'll sort itself out. So Forceville trailhead to highway 41. So the first section of trail, uh, known as Ramblin' Man, was awesome. I mean, really fast, flowy. It, it felt like it was probably like a newer trail. Uh, bermed up in the corners. Uh, it was awesome. I'd, I'd like to get back there and go ride it again. Because uh, I, 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 I just wasn't in a good flow. Can, couldn't really find my rhythm. I think I could have went through it faster. Uh, I was just, just feeling off. I, you know, I, a lot of it was just my head was foggy from the head cold still. Um, anyways, I, I hit... Uh, I hit the trail section. I didn't really have anybody around me. I could see some riders out in front, uh, behind, hear them, you know, as through a few of the switchbacks, that kind of thing. And, um, things, things were definitely spread out by this point. Like I said, top of the world kind of, kind of gets things thinned out <laughs> as long as well as the, the Le Mans run at the start as well. Cause it's like a half a mile. But, uh, so I crossed over Forestville road, uh, to hit wildcat trail. And I want to say that the first part of Wildcat kind of carried the same kind of feeling spirit, I guess you could say, as the Ramblin' Man Trail. But then it definitely got more rocky uh, and rooty with like really steep, punchy climbs the deeper you got into it. And uh, it it forced me off my bike a couple times. And I actually say a couple times it quite a, quite a few times I think as the the deeper deeper you got into that trail section. I came up on another rider at some point that was doing the, doing the Marjagesic for the first time. 
we were kind of chatting as we were going up on the short climbs. And I remember telling him, I was like, this, this, this was a lot more technical and much tougher than the trail that we rode the previous year. Once you came back through Forestville and, uh, I, I remember coming up on, there was another guy out there playing an instrument. I, I thought he was playing an instrument. I can't remember for, you know, for sure or what he was playing. Uh, but, uh, as I came around the corner, it was, we were joking about the rocks and it was, he was right where the con of the trail made a little bit of a split and went into some, like the really, really punchy, rocky, rocky stuff up through some pines, I think. Uh, and the trail eventually turns into pine knob trail. And I, and I can't really remember the exact, you know, where things change in the trail and where like it goes from, you know, um, you know, wildcat to pine knob but i just i just remember at some point things got like really really rocky really steep a lot more technical um some really tough like downhill stuff uh you know that you'd, you'd hike down it versus riding it and you know there was there was a lot of it that was rival it was just a lot of work and i th- I think if uh, you went back and talked to a variety of people who went through there, I'm, I'm betting a lot of them would tell you that's that's where things kind of started to stack up. Uh, you, you get out get out of that, and then you hit the Lowe's Trail, and you really start to feel it. But that that Pine Knob Trail section is uh, that was tough. Um, I mean, you just slow, slow going. And then I also remember, I, I kind of remember coming out to a spot that I thought, I, I'm pretty sure I recognized uh, from a picture that uh, Todd Paquette had posted just earlier that week that said something about uh, reality check number one. And uh, he was right. He was right. So I was, I was starting to think that if this new trail addition here was any indication of what was potentially to come later in the race, that uh, I'm like, I, I, was, I was starting to think that I might have to throw lights on to get to Ishpeming. It was in the back of my head, just kind of based on how I was feeling and going through it. So once out of Pine Knob, I was on some some easy riding trails uh, that were they're what's considered part of the North Trails Loop. Eventually came out to the sandy section of trail that weaved uphill. And I actually remembered this. This is that point in my report from last year when I said something about, um, you know, coming out to like a fast flowy section. And then later on, realized I was going uphill the whole time. So that was, that was the spot. Um, there was some new trail at the end of this that was, uh, actually, it was awesome. I mean, it was, that was fantastic actually. Uh, downhill, fast, flowy, few jumps, some berms in it. Um, if this trail was new, the previous year we had crossed over the road and then took like a two track or something to connect to the next spot. But so this, this was new and it was, it was great. Uh, I did almost bite it at one point I, I came over one of those little berms and uh had my tire a little little crick and kind of landed into the side of the trail but was able to save it but uh anyways it drops out on forestville road uh near the bottom where the railroad tracks are at and then we had to climb up forestville road to uh hit a gravel road then you drop down the gravel road into this little parking lot area and that's where low tra- lowe's trail would begin uh, so I had been riding with uh, Kyle Brierly since since leaving that Pine Knob Trail earlier, actually. And uh, he was we hit the Lowe's Trail. I was behind him. He was riding 
super strong up the climb. And so I just figured I would just try to stick on his wheel and, and, uh, make it up the climbs with him. So it, it's this, this Lowe's trail is, uh, it's, it's actually kind of more reminiscent of like an old hiking trail than a, a biking trail. I and mean, it's, it's tough. You, you're going uphill a lot of the time. There's a few really tight switchbacks. It's rocky. It's rooty. Uh, can be a little slippery. And uh, last year I had to like dab my foot a few times and actually hike up one of the hills. And this year I think I made it through the entire thing, only dab my foot once. And I think that was maybe because we just had a couple of us that got stacked up with like, you know, wheel to wheel. And, uh, but yeah, I was able to, able to ride it all. So, um, so for the, the last, the last few miles getting up through Lowe's trails, uh, I was getting the leg cramps up that I've been dealing with all year. And they were, I had actually felt them, I think after that whole pine knob area and s- stuff as well, but the they were, they were starting to hit like really hard now, uh, once toward the end of Lowe's trail. Uh, and it's something I've been dealing with the whole year and it's whether I went out hard in a race or conservative, I I've been, been dealing with this, but, uh, at some point I came to kind of like an opening spot and I, I hit one of those shots of pickle juice. Uh, there was, there was one spot that uh, had this opening. I think it must have been like a power line or, or whatever it was, but it was just this huge, thick mud hole. And we're like 25 miles into the race and I got to step in this stuff. And uh, yeah, so 25 miles in, thick, soupy. There's no way around it. There's, you, you had to go in, but uh, mud up past my ankles. There's some folks... Uh, after that, I think that's where that little water station was set up. Some folks had that set up. I think I think they were out there last year at the same spot as well. And, uh, and I, I I knew I was getting close to Highway 41 crossing, and my, my wife was going to be there. So um, kind of found myself. There's that construction zone stuff behind Lowe's to weave through. And uh, then I popped out to Lowe's, and there was like that whole side parking lot of Lowe's was just like packed full of SAG vehicle drivers. And so I... I stopped there. I had actually finished my entire two liter reservoir of carbo rocket, uh, and a large bottle bottle by then. And that was, that was kind of my plan. I felt pretty dehydrated that morning going into it to begin with, just with the cold and stuff I was dealing with all week. And, uh, so my plan was to just get fluids forced in. And I, I don't know, I, in hindsight, maybe that wasn't the best thing to do either. Uh, because I kind of later on felt like I couldn't get the stuff in. So I don't know if I, Oh, I could might have overdone it as well, but uh, you know, twenty twenty hindsight. So I was about fifteen minutes slower in this last section. So that section from coming back through Forestville to getting to Lowe's was about fifteen minutes slower, which made sense. There was that technical trail uh, in there, and this put me about six minutes over six minutes behind my overall pace from last year of getting to that Highway Forty One crossing highway 41 to the south trailhead so i swapped out my hydration pack with a a new one uh i didn't need a full one to get to the ski hill so i had actually pre-filled it in the morning so my wife didn't have to worry about it and that kind of stuff and just threw it in the cooler but so it was like two-thirds full um i I have two packs so i'm just gonna keep swapping them all day uh i grabbed a fresh water bottle a couple more of those uh honey stinger waffles another 
one of those uh, pickle juice shots and for my jersey pocket, figuring uh, with cramps coming on that early, it's probably going to have to hit another one. Uh, and I actually, I actually mentioned to my wife at that time too that uh, based on the trails that I had seen, you know, the new trail additions that uh, were in that first section, that uh, if that was any indication of what new stuff might come later in the race, that there's there might be a good chance I'd be putting lights on to get into uh, Ishmaeline. But uh, my nephews were there. Two of my nephews were there with my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law. So that was, uh, that was pretty cool. And uh, my mother-in-law has been out to races before, but that was the first time my nephews have been around it. So maybe some future future mountain bike racers there. So I took off from there. I crossed the Highway 41 through that drainage ditch and uh, headed up the rail trail. So this is, I guess, would be probably the easiest section of the entire race. I can't remember exactly how long it is. Maybe it, it might even be like an entire mile um, of rail trail. And it's, if I remember correctly, it's like all mostly downhill too. It's not like downhill, but it's it's like flat with, you know, you are going downhill. Um, I, I didn't really jump on the hammer or anything with it. I was by myself. Uh, I don't actually think I remember seeing anybody like, too far out in front of me or behind me on the trail either. Uh, but I, I just kind of spun my legs out and relaxed a little bit just because from here on out, I mean, the next, uh, I mean, the next miles, 20, 30 miles are going to be just hard. So, uh, the next, the next section of trail, so you cut right off of the rail trail and it's, it's awesome riding. It's, it's a little connector trail that actually just takes you up to another, um, you know, pave, section of pavement. And uh, I came up on another rider there that uh, looked like they were good, kind of some of the, the heat that may have been catching up on the day already and whatnot. But I was riding pretty strong. The uh, the cramps were gone. I was I was feeling good. So I rode through this uh, pretty good. Uh, there's that section of you know, uh, road that dumps out. And there were some folks that were out there with, uh, like water and Gatorade set up and all that kind of stuff. And you, you would see like little stuff like this kind of, you know, throughout, throughout the day, I guess. I mean, there was, I feel like if you really paid attention as you were going along, there was places that you could get water and whether that was from, you know, another racer, sag driver or whatnot. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't think you were going to do this race and, and go, go thirsty. As long as you packed well, if you, if you took off from the start line with one water bottle or just two water bottles, you might have a rough day. You know, I, th I think unless you actually purposely had a sag, sag vehicle, but if you had a hydration pack and, uh, at least a bottle, you know, a bottle and a hydration pack, you'd probably make it far enough along in this course that you'd end up running into somebody that would, you know, get you some water. Um, <clears throat> so then I finally came up, uh, you know, I hit the next section of trail, uh, and I think I rode completely solo from like that last road section where I mentioned, you know, the, the folks were out in front of the yard with the uh, water and Gatorade. Um, but I, I, uh, I think I rode solo all the way to the South trailhead from there. I love this section of trail. There's some like really fast flowy stuff some fun like bench cut and berms and switchbacks. There's a few bridges. Uh, there's a few little jump lines in there. Uh, 
this, this is the section of the course that it wraps around the outside of a golf course. I think it just kind of switchbacks over the top of, I think it's probably like an old dump site. And I remember when I did come out of the dump site, that little switchbacks up all that kind of open grassy area, the cramps start coming up again. And I remember, I think that's when I've kind of felt like the heat was going to start to, to get to me. And I might've hit another one of those shots of pickle juice at the time. Um, then you come out onto Smiley Trail and you have to climb up it. It's not a bad climb, uh, but uh, I have ridden down it before and it's uh, it's a lot more fun going down it. Um, if I remember correctly, then I think, I think Smiley dumps out on this like a wider path for just a short period. And then it takes you into a more technical rocky section uh, of the Pioneer Loop that connects you to A-Line. Uh, Looking back, I was actually slower through A-Line this year than I was the previous year. And uh, I had actually been riding this entire section since the Highway 41 crossing stronger than the previous year. Uh, but when I hit the when I hit A-Line, I just, I don't know, I, I, I'm not sure what was getting to me. I remember going down and just being a little cloudy and, and uh, just not real comfortable. Uh, and there's nothing like, A-Line's not... Uh, you know, anything crazy technical or anything like that. I mean, it's, if you ride it really slow, it's super, super easy. If you go really fast, you could catch a lot of air if you wanted. But, uh, I think I just kind of took my time down it, but I ended up covering this last section of trail about seven minutes faster than the previous year. And I believe that it was all about the exact same, except for when you got across the road on the trailhead parking side. Uh, I think it was slightly different than the previous year, but I, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, so I was about seven minutes faster and, uh, that put me about one minute ahead of last year's time for when I came through the South trailhead. So I was pretty much on pace with the previous year's time, the South trailhead to the ski hill parking lot. So again, at the, uh, the South trailhead, I swapped out my hydration pack, uh, that my wife had another one ready to go for me. I grabbed a fresh water bottle and uh, another one of those pickle juice shots because things were kind of dictating. I might have to hit another one. Um, the, the, the cramps, I just, I couldn't completely get them away. They'd go away for a little while. And, uh, you know, about an hour later, they'd start creeping back up again. Uh, there's There was a huge aid station here. And I, I'm not actually sure who was running that, that aid station. Um, but it was, it was, uh, I didn't use anything from the aid station cause my wife was there and I was all set, but there was a big aid station there. So I took off, uh, knowing that I was, I was heading out on, I would consider this to be a pretty tough section of, of trail. Uh, there's just, there's climbing and then, you know, the backside of the ski hill is to me is just a kind of a tough climb getting up around there. Uh, there's, there's no easy flowy stuff uh, in this, this whole trail section until you get to the very bottom of scary trail. Um, but you know, it, it's going to take some work to get there. So the first section of trail is what I believe to be known as the blue loop. And that dumps into a trail known as doctors. So the first part is, is really rocky, both up and down with some switchbacks. I probably should have been faster on it, uh, here than last year, but I think I was just as slow 
this year as I was the previous year. And I was just, I was feeling weak. I think the, the head cold was uh, getting to me. I didn't feel real good. Uh, probably the combined heat getting in there. And then, you know, the obvious effects of, you know, uh, I had been on my bike for uh, a few hours, more than a few hours by now. Uh, four hours, four and a half hours. And uh, I started the morning with a with a head cold. So uh, I, I walked quite a, quite a few of those little rocky sections um, some stuff that, uh, I was just didn't have real good balance and footing on just, just wasn't feeling it. Uh, once to, uh, to the mostly downhill section that I, I believe is called the doctor's trail. Uh, I, I finally, I kind of started to get into a little better rhythm, um, and, and just letting loose a little bit more. I came down with a little, little more speed. Um, that section is, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's, it's pretty steep, but it's, and it's not a, like a clear cut line that you follow. It's, it's loose. There's some rocks, there's roots, it's kind of a few ups and downs. And, uh, it's, you know, you got to kind of look ahead and try to pick a good line. And, and, uh, there's, there's definitely, I think there's some bad lines that you can take too, to get you in trouble. And a lot of it, again, like anything just depends on how much speed you're carrying down it. But the trail's steep enough that you you could you got to get into the brakes. So I eventually popped out on the Marquette Mountain Road climb. So this is steep. Those of you that done it, you know it. Uh, it it's got some loose gravel in it. So it's actually steep enough in some spots. There was uh, like a front wheel drive vehicle that was kind of driving up past me, and they're in one of the really steep kind of looser spots, and they weren't going really fast, but they they would. <laughs> their tires are kind of like slip a little bit and spin, uh, just in a few spots. So it's, it's really steep. Uh, I was slower on it this year. I actually had to walk some of it, uh, about, I don't know, maybe probably halfway up. I think I, I started feeling the leg, leg cramps as I was coming up toward the, from the bottom. And then about halfway up, uh, the legs just locked right up on me and, uh, I was off the bike and, I ended up walking for a pretty big section of it and stopped to stretch and and uh, I could see some folks kind of up behind me and but yeah I was the cramps were bad and uh anyways so I was I got close to the scary trail entrance I kind of flattens out a little bit I got back on and was able to get the cramps worked out uh and headed into it the, the rocks were wet and slippery. There was somebody up there and they, they kind of were warning riders about the, the slippery rocks. Uh, I actually rode down most of it. Uh, I think I had to get off in a, a spot or two. I mean, I, I rode most of it, uh, but I did jump off maybe in one spot and then kind of like one pedal out in another and kind of work my way down. And it's at the end of the day, I guess, after looking at it this year, it's not really that bad of a trail. There's really only a a couple of really, you know, scary spots in quotes. Um, but it's, uh, this year it did not seem as scary as it did last year. Uh, it's just, it's got some, there's a few really, really steep spots down over some rocks and, you know, when they're wet, it's just makes it a little, you know, that much more sketchy. Uh, somewhere along the, along the way, Peyton Randolph came by on a single speed and 
I just I haven't been around single speeders a lot until I've done a few NUE races. And one of the things I've picked up on is that, you know, they know how to get downhill and flow through stuff really, really efficiently. And so I just I did my best to stay on his wheel. Figured if I could stay on his wheel, I'd I'd make good time. So uh I was I was suffering a bit, but uh we we had, I had some conversation exchange with Payne and he was uh he was having a good time. He was he was probably of anyone I went by on the trail or went by me or rode around the entire race, uh he was having more fun than anyone else that I ran into that day. So he was truly enjoying the ride. Um helped me out a little bit. Some of that positive attitude rubbed off on me. I started to relax a little bit, kind of forgot about my fatigue and uh we made good time down the trail. There was another rider around us, I think from RBS bike shop, uh, by the name of Jay, I believe. And, uh, there were some folks coming up behind us, but I don't know. We made good time at the bottom. I think we put a bigger gap, uh, on them by the time we hit the switchbacks and then ended up making it, uh, out of the bottom with, I don't think I remember seeing them behind us at all. Uh, <clears throat> so at the bottom, there's a short break where, you know, you jump over from the bottom of that scary trail section kind of, you know, at the bottom, you come across the road, there's a little like parking, parking lot area. And that takes you over to kind of a little trail that goes up along a river. And then you cross the river. So after the, after crossing the river, you still have a little bit of flat trail, but it, it doesn't last real long. The first uphill, I think it's the first uphill, but you start going, going up and it just keeps getting steeper and steeper until you get to the top. And then you end up bailing. I don't know. I'm maybe Jeremiah Bishop can ride it, or I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's quite a few people that can ride all the way up it, uh, run into a little bit of traction issues. It's a little wet, slippery. And I was, you know, once I start hitting that hill again, the, uh, the fatigue start, start, start getting into me again. And I, I've rode through this a few times in the past, a couple times, maybe on top of doing, you know, these two Two, two shots at the Margegesic and uh, I've never made it all the way up uh, that one section and then that's kind of like the start of you start wrapping around the back side of the, the ski hill once you get to the top of that section it's kind of a wider path if I remember correctly and it uh, it's 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 more than a fault's flat for a little while and then you get into some you know uh, rugged rugged trail so this is the area, you know, on the back side of the, the ski hill where the previous year I got into some like really bad knee pain and I was fine with that. Knees, knees were great. Uh, wasn't having any issue with it, but I, this year, like this is where the heat started getting me. Um, there was just, it was like dead air back there. There was no airflow through the trees and it, it starts stacking up on me. Uh, Peyton was, he was strong. He, he eventually rode off out, out of sight. Uh, Jay was still with me and I ended up riding with him. I think most of the way around to the parking lot. And I was, I was struggling. Like I said, uh, there was one spot. I remember coming to this one spot where the trees kind of opened up just a little bit and like this burst of air came through and, I, I like cooled me off and I got like a little burst of energy, but then I also wanted to just stop there and like 
stand in it because it was just refreshing, but had to keep moving. Um, this is also, I, I was kind of starting to question, you know, I've had this before. I, I would like to get rid of the hydration pack off the back of my, you know, carrying on my back. But I also, I mean, I like having a plain water bottle and then I like having my, you know, liquid nutrition, uh, as well. So I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about maybe going to a back bottle or, or something. So, um, I'll get that figured out for next year. So I eventually made it to the top and started the, uh, descent, you know, down around the front side of the ski hill. Uh, my wife was, the plan was my wife was going to be waiting for me there. And, uh, you know, I wrote, I wrote these notes here in my, my race report. So, you know, the great thing I, one of the great things I like about the Margie Gessick in comparison to uh, maybe some of the other races that I've done or, you know, even any races is that, you know, <clears throat> I, I like the races where, you know, you can have your own SAG supports. So there's some of the other any races are, uh, they have phenomenal aid stations. Some of the ones I've been set up at. And so it's, and they're like every 20 to 25 miles, very predictable. They're very, very easy to plan things out and fantastic setup. But I, and I also like, and then you, you know, you don't, you know, you don't have your own SAG support. And some of those are in like, you know, forest, forest land, um, national forest land or, you know, different areas where they don't want all kinds of people driving out on the course, or really the only way to get to those points is by driving the race course. And you obviously can't have cars driving down the race course because they're in, you know, in, in these remote areas. Uh, but I really like the races where like, you know, my wife can drive SAG for me, you know, the races where you can have your own, own SAG sport. It, it kind of made the Mata Hay 100 pretty special as well is, it's something that we're working together. It's a, it's a team thing, you know? So I'm on the bike, my wife's, she's taking care of, you know, my nutrition and cold water and, and kind of leapfrogging me through the course. And then it's, um, it's something we're doing together. So I think I put this in my Facebook post, but you know, me getting to the finish line is a, it's a team effort, you know, her and I working together. And so it, I, I just enjoy, I enjoy that. I like, I like that type of race. So I, I personally, really like how the Margie Gessick is set up with being able to have your own SAG support. I like, you know, how the, the Mata Hay 100 is set up that you can have your own SAG support. You know, that's another race I want to, I'd like to get back out to again myself. So anyways, um, so I found my wife at the ski hole parking lot and, uh, she was, she was already helping out another racer with some fresh water. I pulled in, you know, got my, got some fresh water, grabbed a, uh, a cold Coke. And then a couple other guys going ahead and pulled in with me, you know, asked if they need anything. I passed a, we passed another Coke around to those guys and, uh, everybody was, it's, we were all kind of on the same page. It was just the hot, everybody's kind of overheating. Uh, my wife like dumped some cold water over some of us to try to cool us down. And it was, uh, yeah, this is where the heat was starting to get. And, some of the guys were kind of asking me a little bit about like pacing. Cause we had gotten to talking around it, you know, as we're riding that I had done this in the past and, uh, 
we were we were we were getting pretty t- tight on uh, pacing for the buckle at this point for sure. Wasn't completely out of out of touch, uh, but I was suspecting that some of the rest of the course was going to take longer than the previous year, and you know I wasn't uh, I was behind pace from last year already. So that last section from the trailhead, you know, the south trailhead to the ski hill parking lot actually took me about 10 minutes longer than the previous year. Uh, and that's even with me setting uh, a Strava PR coming down Scary Trail. So a big section of that loss was was on the Marquette Mountain Road. That took me a lot longer for sure, getting up it with fighting through those cramp issues. And, you know, so I was, I was about nine minutes down now uh, relative to my pace from the previous year. And the other thing I kind of had in mind is I knew the course changed once we left the ski hill. And based on when I had looked at the course maps, it looked like the course was was going to be a tougher climb uh, leaving the ski hill toward Nagani for sure this year. The ski hill parking lot to Nagani. So I took off from the ski hill once I felt like I had cooled off a bit uh, or at least wasn't overheated anymore. I was also right about the climb out of the South Trails being tougher. So I had I had to get off and walk up over uh, quite a few sections, actually, uh, that probably, probably on any other normal day, though, I'm pretty sure I would have climbed up and rode up most of it. Uh, so, yes, it was a lot tougher, and I had to walk some. The heat was playing a big factor in it as well, too. Uh, so, anyways, it was it was slower, definitely, than the the previous route the last year. And, and I started getting hot again, like right away, as soon as I started moving and, and my head was still in this cloud from the, uh, the cold. I, I just think it, it was kind of lingering in the background all day. Um, I think around this is a, the time I ran into another, another single speeder, Joe Stroh's. Um, I actually didn't catch his name until hours later, but I'd actually ride off and on with him for probably like the next five or six hours. Um, and so just looking at it about the elevation, so just looking at the elevation profile um, alone doesn't doesn't really help you understand the climbing part of this race. So if you're used to other NUE races, you might be used to really long, huge climbs. And, you know, you heard me speak about the Shenandoah 100, right? Like, I think I climbed for like a couple of hours, you know, from the start to the end of of one of it. And, um, but that was, it was consistent, you know, flat, consistent, no punchy stuff in the middle of it. Um, this, this is only, it's only 600 foot, you know, overall change in elevation from the ski hill to Nagani. Um, but the, the elevation gain itself is, is actually over 1300 feet. And a bunch of it comes from those just really short, punchy climbs uh, in some of that very first part of the trail as you leave the ski hill. And then it's never just like a smooth climb up, right? It's a short little punchy climb that's got some like roots in over the top of it as you crest it, you know, between some trees or some rocks that's off camber. You're, you work the whole time, you know? You never just grind out a climb here, except for like Marquette Mountain Road and then that that two-track at the very beginning of the race. It's never, you don't grind out punchy climbs. It's just a constant up and down. And um, <clears throat> I think it was the the trail called Off Grade that we took out of the ski hill 
after crossing under the, the road to the next river, just if those that are looking up uh, the maps. There's this other section called Pipe Dream after off-grade that uh, I don't know what if the, it's the remnants of or whatever, but I mean, there's actually like a pipe in the ground that you, you're riding down. Most of it's covered with dirt, but it's kind of exposed. Um, it's fast. It's fun. There's There's one spot where there's like, I think there's some like bolts exposed from the pipe or something. Um, or there's like a, it might be a different spot, but there's a, or there's like a, there might be a tree really tight on the left-hand side, but I know you're coming down it really fast and you just got to be kind of careful because you kind of want to float to the one side for some reason. I think it's around this tree, yeah, but like if you float over too far, I mean, you're riding on the top of a, a pipe cylindrical, right? That you end up dropping off the, off the side of it. And, uh, Anyways, it's just, it's a really awesome place to ride. There's so many unique features and and fun things about the trails up there. So after that, I think we dropped out on the Easy Street Trail, which I've been down. It was a little more familiar to me from riding up there in the past. And then from that point, there's some like bermed flowy stuff that's just awesome. Like really bermed up switchbacks and flowy little jumps in it. Uh, and just, it's such a variety of stuff up there to ride and the entire trail system is it's really amazing when you can look and see all the trails that you can connect tie together and ride so if you just get up there and like ride for a day you can park at you know the south marquette uh trailhead parking lot and you can just ride all day like new trails so it's just really unique this race how it connects you know the marquette trails the trails up you know, the Harlow Lake trail system, and then gets you over to Nagani Ishmaween and rides all those trails. It's, uh, it's really cool. So even if you can't do this race, I'd suggest making a trip up to Market County to ride, uh, regardless. So I eventually came out to the AP eight, there's an ATV type trail. And then I, I remember this from last year. It takes you out to this like really short paved road section. And, uh, the road section, it's really, it is really short. So you have to watch for the, the trail sign. This is, this is some of those sections where I think the GPS comes in really handy because you pop out on that, you know, road, look down at your GPS, see where, are we turning off this thing? So I could see that we're going to kind of turn left off of it. So I could look for the arrows. Um, you know, a lot of times you pop out on a road like that, you might get a little bit lazy like start to, you know, eat or whatever you're doing, you could easily miss a sign. So, um, I think, yeah, this is area two where, um, that ATV trail is, is, uh, this is where all the sandy ATV trail starts as well. And, uh, I had, I had to walk some of it. Um, and I think I, this is an area, I think I joined back up with, uh, with Joe around here. And then, one thing I will note on the the sand this year, it was it was easier riding this year, even though I still had to walk some of it. But the rains the night before had kind of, in my opinion, anyways, firmed it up a little bit versus the last year. But I could feel myself starting to have some hydration issues coming on here, and I it was like I was struggling to get the the fluids down. Like I would, it was just hard. Like I like my body didn't want to drink anything, but I felt like I, but I felt dehydrated. Um, and I don't know if it was maybe the, like just the, the, my hydration pack was like too warm at this point 
And I don't know if my, my carbo rocket was maybe, um, too heavy of a concentration mix. I'm not sure just the combination of it all. And I, I mean, I had mixed full three scoops. So I don't know, just had a hard time, hard time getting it down. And I think at this point I just was like, wanted some like just plain cold water. Uh, so there were, there were a couple other riders, uh, kind of coming out up and, you know, off and on riding with us. And I don't think that any of us are necessarily like riding together, working together on it. We just happen to be, you know, you, you see folks back and forth and that kind of thing. But, uh, I was really, we were really close to where the worst aid station, uh, which is run by the quick stop bike shop in Marquette was at super happy to see them again this year. So if you guys are listening to this shout out, thanks a lot. Um, quick stop bike shop in Marquette. They, uh, saved me again this year. So they filled my bottle with some cold water, uh, and it was really cold water. And then they diluted my, uh, hydration pack, carbo rocket mixture with some more cold water. And, you know, even though I wasn't feeling great, I still had to grab one of those, uh, I grabbed a grilled cheese sandwich regardless, just for the heck of it. And which is kind of weird. Cause like, even though I was having trouble with fluids, I could eat solid food. Just, I don't know. It's just a really weird, weird feeling. Um, the sandwich did go down a little, a little rough though, but the cold water was awesome. The cold water saved me. So I was able to drink all of that bottle. Uh, I believe by the time I got to Nagani and then was able to start sipping down the, uh, hydration pack. So somewhere along that paved trail, there was, uh, we ended up joining up like four or five of us. And then, uh, we all rolled into Nagani together. So they were kind of, I remember these guys, they were kind of asking me about timing compared to last year and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, and I, I think I remember telling them we were going to have to have one heck of a loop around Nagani to get back on track at this point. And I knew in my own head that, uh, the buckle was most likely gone at this point. Um, I wanted to push, but I, I was, I was got that water down, but I was still, I was still feeling like really dehydrated and, uh, ready to hit my hot, my, uh, drop bag in Nagani. And then my wife was going to be there waiting for me as well. So it ended up taking me about 12 minutes longer to get to Nagani from the ski hill over the previous year, uh, which now put me about 22 minutes off my pace from last year where I had missed the buckle already by 25 minutes. So, you know, things were not looking great. The Nagani loop. So I took a few minutes in Nagani to figure out what I needed. Uh, I, I slammed a, some cold Coke. I don't know, something about cold Coca-Cola uh, when you're feeling dehydrated and racing. It just, I don't know, It's it's uh, it hits the spot. So I think I even ate a few few Pringles too. So again, whoever the guy was in the uh, Dirtwire TV video talking about Pringles at whatever it was, either the the Shenandoah, probably the Shenandoah race, you know, video from uh, Dirtwire TV. Ever since then, I've been like hitting Pringles at aid stations. So I, don't know, I can't remember. I but I, I also grabbed uh, grabbed a fresh water bottle. Um, but I think instead of grabbing a fresh hydration pack, I think I topped because I had drank some of it between the worst aid station and Nagani. And instead of grabbing a full fresh one with the same, you know, full serving mix of uh, carbo rock, I think I, I think I dumped the, 
that, you know, full, full concentrated mixture into my existing hydration pack that was already diluted, uh, just to try to thin it out a little bit and, uh, just to try to make everything a little easier to, to drink. So, um, yeah, so basically I topped off the watered down one and, uh, got ready to head out. So I headed out on the trail to start the Nagani loop with, uh, one of the single speeders I had mentioned earlier, Joe, and, uh, the trail trail headed out a little bit differently this year and I could feel the, the cramps again. I was struggling to fight off those cramps and it was weird cause I had, I had the power to get up the climbs, but I ended up walking quite a bit of them just to try to mitigate the cramps. Cause like just any of those efforts on the climbs, like the cramps would just fire right up and you know, I wasn't going to sit there and just drinking pickle juice all day either. Cause that's, I think it was beyond that point. So I don't think I took any more of the pickle juice shots after that. Um, the trail details that I remember at this point in the race, you know, were 70 miles in, they start to get a little bit blurry for me. Uh, but I, I feel like the Nagani loop is all like very similar type of trail riding. And so in my mind, I have a hard time separating out, you know, some of the, the features It comes back to me here and there. Um, but, uh, I know when I was typing the report out, it's kind of started coming back to me as I, as I was typing as well. So, uh, and I'm just working through my report now. Um, you know, this is basically an audio version of it. Right. But, um, so we still had to ride that, uh, if you'll remember that short flight of stairs, that's literally, you know, 10 feet, less than 10 feet over from a perfectly rideable trail. So we have to ride up the stairs. Um, this is very early in the loop. So the course weaves through these like old roads. It's like you're going through like an old ghost town. So it's like these old, just kind of deteriorated roads. There's even a trail that you kind of ride up a sidewalk. I'm assuming that's like left over from the old mining days. And then you loop back around and you actually drop down like two and a half flights of stairs or a couple of flights of, of stairs. Uh, lost my water bottle on that one and uh, had to stop and pick it up. So after riding down the flights of stairs and the course takes you out, it's not like a two track, two track type of trail toward this old fence line. If you've ridden out there, polar roll, different races that are just riding anytime, you kind of recognize it. You kind of loop around the, the end of the fence. And then there's this long climb up a fence line. And I've ridden through here a few times, summer and winter, uh, any of those times. And it's the, the hills usually not a problem, but I could feel the cramps coming on as I worked my way up it. And I ended up, I ended up hiking like the second half of it. Uh, I also remember the fence line on the north side of the trail system. So if, if you you think of that, there's like a kind of a landlocked area out there. Uh, so there's that fence line on the north side of the trail system. There's a old rail trail on the south side of the system. And they're both like kind of fairly easy riding aside, you know, from that kind of loose climb up along the fence line that I just mentioned. Um, but anytime you leave, leave those trails, anytime you duck south of the you know, the fence line on the north end, or you duck off of the, you know, rail trail type of feeling ride. And it's not like rail trail, but it feels like it's, it's kind of like that. It's through the, through the woods there, but it's sits up a little high and is straight. Anytime you, you turn off of that, things, things immediately get twisty, punchy and, uh, rocky and rooty. So there's this one spot in the trail that has this like really narrow and rocky bench cut 
that twists around the like the edge. And I think it's built, it must be kind of built around like a this old massive pile of rocks that was, this is all from my understanding, old mining ground. And with my fatigue, I actually unclipped my inside foot around that and just kind of rolled around the edges. The rocks are kind of loose and whatnot, but uh, the my pace was getting really, really slow. And I was, I think that's at this point, it's only really a few miles into the Nagani loop. So I would ride off and on with, with, uh, with Joe for, for pretty much most of the Nagani loop. And it, it kind of seemed like when one of us would start to waver a little bit, like the other, the other rider would, would, uh, kind of keep a push going and, and like let the other guy kind of keep chasing versus it seemed like we just, we, we kept, kept each other moving, you know, um, it was good. It was, it, it, uh, it was, it was great. It was good to have somebody out there that you kind of just, just kept pushing, right? You never let yourself, you know, waver or fall off too much, you know? And, um, we were both, we were both kind of aware of the clock ticking down as well. And, um, kind of, I think mentally going into a bit of a, a race survival mode and, and, uh, just, just want to do whatever, and I know in my mind, at least at this point, I just wanted to make sure I, I raced, I wanted to ride smart so that I wanted to make sure I finished at this point because I was, I was, I was fatigued and the heat was really getting to me and I was struggling with this hydration thing still. I felt completely dehydrated and I, you know, I had managed to put in quite a few fluids, uh, but I just, I was struggling to, to drink the fluids and it was getting worse at this point. So after I, you know, I had gotten that cold water and everything and that I was able to get that stuff down. I got through my next stuff and now I was like, just it felt like my stomach wanted to turn over and I, I was going to get sick if I, if I, if I drank too much, but I knew, or at least I felt like I was just really dehydrated um, so I, I just dialed it right back and, uh, I walked, walked more climbs that I really wanted to. Um, and it was just in an attempt to avoid letting the heat just completely knock me out and obliterate me. Uh, and the leg cramps too. I, I just, the leg cramps were just unavoidable at this point with, with any mild effort. So, uh, and there was, there was, there's a few times that I was, I was thinking about that whole pound, you know, pound quitter text or whatever. And I was like, the, the, the fear alone of having to send that text message with my, my bib number in pound quitter, uh, that, that kept me in the game because I, I, I wasn't gonna do it. And I was willing to walk every single hill, uh, from that point to the finish line to avoid, avoid sending that text message. And, uh, so I just, I dialed, dialed things back. It, uh, kind of went out of race mode and went into survival mode for a little while. I figured if I could kind of dial it back completely, get myself hydrated or at least get my stomach functioning again. I mean, I think like the stomach just shut down It just stopped working. I don't know. And, uh, I just, I had to get everything working again. And then I, I knew I'd build a ride. So I, I also, 
At the same time, I knew that I couldn't just stop drinking altogether either. So I did whatever I could to, I just would like force in those like small sips. And again, I, I don't know if that's the right move or not. You know, I, uh, I don't know what the right answer is in, in this situation. So when you're in it, you just kind of do what you think is the best. But, um, I would just, I sipped in like a small, small sips to just try to keep getting, getting fluids in. Um, you know, and I, like every time I'd get off my, my bike or whatever, and then I'd sip out of the bottle and kind of remind myself to, to take a drink. And, uh, anyways, so I actually, I actually ended up finishing, finished my bottle. I came across somebody handing out water. They filled my bottle up for me. And I think this was in like one of the first times you kind of crossed some of the main streets, um, in town. This might've been down on the other side in a go, uh, Ishmael. And I remember getting some like really cold water and that it, the cold water was a lot easier to drink. So he, <clears throat> yeah, and so I would have been crossing North Third Street in Ishpeming. So then you have to weave through like a couple of streets and then you hit a trail kind of around the outside of the ball fields that put you into another section of single track. Uh, and I mentioned this in my report. It's really impressive how these trails have all been laid out. And I mentioned this earlier too, that you get so much single track packed into this available land. And, you know, it's not it's not all spread out either, but it doesn't it doesn't feel like you're necessarily locked into this smaller space either. It, it, uh, it's really, it's really cool. Um, so within that section of trail, there's this really steep switchback climb. I remembered it from last year as well. It comes up shortly after you, you kind of come up alongside of a, uh, an actual, you know, railroad, uh, bed that's, I think like high above you up on the right. Uh, the trail kind of turns South off of it and then turns, and then starts switchbacking up this hill and then just kind of continues to climb up a, a ridge line. And uh, I walked most of it. I think I walked most of it. Uh, was just, I, was, I was feeling pretty beat up at this point. And uh, I, think, I think this is where Joe and I kind of caught back up together around here too for a little while. And uh, I remember coming to a fork in the trail and there was, there was no arrow. And to the right looked easier. To the left looked a lot harder. So to the left was like hike a bike, um, at, at least with how I was feeling at the moment. Um, so we kind of stopped quickly, looked at each other, tried which way should we go? And I remember saying something like, "It looks it looks hard to the left, so that's probably the correct way," <laughs> which is just kind of funny, right? Like, no doubt they were probably going to take us through the hardest section of trail possible. But anyways, as it turned out, it was actually just a, uh, a and B line that joined back up shortly after, like literally like 10, 15 yards later, uh, after the, what I was thinking was a hike a bike. So anyways, that was not a, uh, uh, it was not an unmarked section of trail. So, um, and that, that being said, actually there was, there was tons of arrows out there. The course was marked really, really well. Uh, yeah. I mean, the course was marked really, really well. GPS. Uh, I would, I would still, you should have a GPS because on any of those sections where you dump out, it, it lets you know when you should be looking to make your turn. Uh, because there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, even though there's, 
there's good signage, there's a lot of opportunity to screw up as well. Uh, because of the amount of trail crossings and street crossings and places you dump out on in order to connect to all the trail systems. So I came out on another road crossing, Lakeshore Drive, and then turned into uh, some short two-track type of trails that would eventually get me over to the, the bike path in Nagani. Uh, I'm sorry, that's uh, be the the bike path in uh, Ishpeming. So I actually need to update my, fix my report there. Uh, so this is where you get a little teaser of the finish line, but still actually have another 25 miles to go. So you actually ride a bike path that's like goes right along the end of the the main street there in Ishpeming where the finish line is at. So I believe it was the ATV trail prior to this where I came up on somebody offering out handfuls of ice. I took the ice, ended up dropping it down the front of my bibs. I thought it was, I don't know, might help cool my core down and uh because the, the heat was the heat was stacking up uh and it did i think it helped so uh i also found another water bottle hand up somewhere around here uh, i can't remember if it was before passing by the finish line in ishmamin or after i want to say it was after but anyways i came up on somebody that was driving sag for the uh the lcr crew and she filled up my water bottle for me and uh i i consistently like forcing in those small sips of water was uh seemed like it was working i think i remember at this around this time i kind of felt like i was i was really fatigued but i felt like the hydration was starting to come back and uh maybe things were working and in it maybe it didn't have anything to do with the hydration maybe it had could have had more to do that i just needed to you know just dial things right back to a, a slow crawl for long enough for things to start working better again. I don't know. Uh, so I, I came into another area of single track that of course weaves uphill. Uh, and I can't remember exactly what the trail was like, but I'm sure it, uh, sure it was rocky and Rudy. Uh, it was a shorter section of trail. And then I popped out on the snowmobile trail just before, uh, like a short distance to a dead end road to kind of lead you back into the trail system. And uh, I think I remember from Polaroid, we actually dropped out on that. And that was, we took that section toward the finish line during the Polaroid. Uh, you know, as it started with a loose gravel uphill that came comes out by like a water tower. So I walked part of the hill and uh, that's also where I came across a star from the Wooly Bike Club and Cyclovia XC. And uh, she was doing the 50 mile trail run, 50 plus mile trail run that is. The, uh, and then from here on out, the, so the, the chain of events get a little bit blurry from here to Nagani. When, when I look at my GPS route, I, I like still have a hard time remembering where the specific trail sections were at and what was in those trails. So a lot of times when I'm like writing up these reports, when I just look at my GPS route, I'm like, it's like, I kind of start getting the pictures and I remember like, I kind of start remembering the trail just from seeing where it weaved. And it was just... I don't know, maybe everything was in a, in a cloud. I just was having a hard time remembering some of it, but there's, there's certain things that I do remember. I just can't remember where it was at. So it, some of this could be out of order, but I remember some like really sweet flowy single track at some point. Um, and then I also some like really steep rocky stuff. Uh, there was one point that I know was new from last year that like took you through uh, what I would consider like a rock gauntlet. I, it's just, 
And I also remember some other like steep, rocky downhill that like I walked all the way down and then I turned around and I saw Joe just like clean the entire thing. Um, Kyle Brierley came back by me somewhere around here and he was all happy and riding strong. Uh, and I believe it might've been his parents that gave me uh, some water hand up as well, filled my water bottle for me. Um, I remember it being cold and it was huge, huge help. So the, uh, my hydration status was getting better and it was, it was, it was, start, it was getting easier now to get the fluids back down. Um, and I was, I was also able to get a lot more of my carbo rocket mixture down as well. So think everything, everything was kind of working and starting to come back. Uh, I had slowed, I had slowed my pace down just dramatically for that last hour. And I'll talk about that here soon, actually, with how much longer it took me, but, uh, it was, it had paid off. So I remember crossing a street must've been uh, Michigan street and thinking that I had hit this trail. Um, when I hit the trail on the other side of Michigan street, I kind of started recognizing things and was knew I was getting pretty close to Jackson park. Uh, and then, uh, I, I remember coming up in this like left-hand turn that like turns away from this like rocky outcrop uh, into some like pretty narrow bench cut stuff and then switch back to the right. And then it dumps out on this ATV trail that headed down toward Jackson Park. Uh, except this year we had to take a left-hand turn off of it before going all the way down to the, I think it must be like connects to the bike path. And then this would, we kind of loop back out onto a couple of those old like mining streets and stuff. Uh, and then you'd actually loop directly back through Jackson park. It was really cool setup, um, or really nice setup. Anyways, the, uh, um, it's better set up this year than, than the previous year. So the, the previous year you actually like had to backtrack a little bit to go down into the park. So I, uh, I rode into Jackson park well, well off my pace from the previous loop, uh, from the previous year. It took me a little over an hour and a, a little over an hour longer to do the Nagani loop this year than the, than the previous year. And I was now a little over an hour and a half off my pace from last year. And, uh, the buckle cutoff was actually like 30 minutes away at this point. And, uh, you know, the sun was getting ready to set and I, uh, was going to be looking to put my lights on that, uh, I had left in my drop bag. Nagani to Ishpeming. So I got a fresh bottle of water from my wife and then another water bottle, uh, filled with Coke that I stuffed into my back Jersey pocket. I decided to leave my hydration pack at the park. Uh, I was hungry and I was able to eat. I actually ate a candy bar, washed it down with some water. Um, kind of, kind of seemed like I was out of the woods at this point with my hydration issues. I, uh, strapped my headlight onto my drop bag, uh, or from, from my drop bag onto my helmet and, uh, locked in my handlebar lights and was ready to go. So, uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but I, I had been carrying my phone all day. I mean, I knew why I was carrying it, but, uh, for some reason I went to hand it to my wife and then I, I took it back and I was like, Oh wait, I, I might need this. I don't know how things are, things are going to go from here. Um, which was probably not the most confidence, uh, instilling comment to make, make to my wife as I was headed back out on the trail with headlights mounted to my bag after, uh, racing for 12 hours already and being, you know, an hour and a half off of my pace from last year. Um, 
Anyways, I was headed out now for the last section of the course, but I also knew these last 15 miles were going to chew up some time and I would soon be turning those lights on. I, I headed into that little section of woods that's it's just a little short section that connects you out to another street, you kind of go uphill on these town streets. Um, I don't remember what the it's like at first, but then I remember dropping off of a rail trail into some downhill, really awesome, flowy switchback trails through the woods. Uh, and I, I remember this section. I remember the section from last year. And then shortly after this section is where you hit a first the first steep hill. Uh, that just when you think it's about to end, you're actually only about halfway up it and it, it's steep. Uh, and then that halfway point, then it starts, it keeps going uphill through switchbacks. Uh, so the trails, the trails here are actually really, they're great. And I mean, I can see, you can say that about the entire course. So I, I've, I've never ridden back there just to ride in this, this kind of area, but I'd like to go back there and, and ride some of them when I'm fresh. Uh, you know, I've ridden that twice now and it was, you know, after I've already been rid riding for 10 to 12 hours. So I came out onto a gravel wor- road where my wife was actually waiting for me with a bottle hand up. So I think the whole comment of, uh, you know, I better take my phone because I don't know how things are going to work out, got her a little nervous. So she decided to try to find where the trail jumped out on some roads and, uh, keep leapfrogging me. So I I hadn't finished my other one completely, but I went ahead and swapped out and kind of kept moving. Uh, This was a short, there was a short section of road and then, you know, dive back into the woods for another single track climb. And I, I think I had my lights on by now. I remember delaying putting my lights on for a while. And because I never, I hate putting my lights on in that like kind of dusk area where you like, it just seems like weird for your eyes to adjust from the daylight to it's not quite dark, but then there's a light out there. Uh, so I remember waiting as long as I could before I actually flipped them on. Um, <clears throat> the uh, the trail popped back out. I mean, you went in the woods for a while and then it pops back out on that same road again that I'd come out on before, but just a little bit further up it. And my wife happened to be waiting up there again. So I, I can't remember if I grabbed another bottle or not at that point, but I know I'd swapped swap bottles a couple of times throughout this last section. But um, so I was back in the woods again and uh, it was dark. And I remember hiking up some switchbacks and I could see the headlights from other riders off in the distance in front of me and then also behind me. It was just weird because you're in this just these switchbacks in the woods. It's dark now and you just kind of way off in the distance, like up it around, you see like a headlight and then back behind you, you know, see one. And, uh, it was, it was just interesting. It was the first time I'd ever raced after dark. So I came out on a gravel road again and I could see, I could see what looked like my truck parked up ahead. Uh, but the trail actually ducked into the woods kind of alongside the road. It's pitch dark now by now. I remember this in, uh, the, uh, I knew my wife was going to have no idea if that was me or not. So I, I yelled out to her. She had her window down. So she heard me, I gave her the, everything's okay. I'm doing okay. Shout out and, uh, kept moving. I can't remember what this next section of trail was like. So I don't think the climbing was bad on it, but most of the single track in the last 15 miles is, is pretty rooty and rough. Uh, there's also a few really steep spots in it. And so I, 
I don't want to call them drops because there's a few of them that are, you don't, they're super steep. It's not a drop because you don't just like drop off of it and keep riding. Like you actually like ride, ride down this thing, pretty much hanging off the back of your bike, um, to avoid going over the, over the top of the bars. Uh, and then in my case, you know, uh, wishing that I had bucked up for a dropper post. So, um, but again, anyways, I, I can't remember the exact order of, of all those points. So, uh, and some of the stuff I just mentioned might actually be in later sections of the trail too. There's this spot where you come to like an opening in the trail that kind of cuts around the edge of a lake and it's sort of like there's a lake and then there, there must be kind of a, a little runoff of the lake or something that kind of goes into the woods. You just, it's maybe like 10, 15 feet across it. It's like kind of on the edge of it, but you, you have to get wet. And it's, I remember last year too, this kind of same thing. It wasn't as deep the previous year, I don't think, but you get a little suspicious if that's like, in fact, the right way to go. And I came up on it again this year to find another rider kind of looking at it and, you know, in a little bit of disbelief, it seemed like, like him look, he was kind of looking at it like this, this can't possibly be the right way. And I kind of looked at him, gave him the nods like, yeah, that's the right way. And, uh, I think the edge of the, I think it was, like I said, I think it was a little deeper this year. Uh, I thought I was able to like ride across it the last year, but this year I picked my bike up cause I think it was, I think it was at least hub deep, uh, this year. So there was a little slight downhill grade along a road uh, for pretty short, pretty short period. Um, but then I took a right around a gate to start climbing up another, another climb. The, uh, about halfway through the climb, I came near the bottom of the old uh, ski jump. And I, I wrote this in my report you know, lessons from the past 13 miles dictated that there was obviously more opportunity for pain if you're at the bottom of a ski jump and the climbing continued toward the top. The, uh, I struggled, I struggled with this, the switchback climbs up through the woods, um, just from the pure fatigue at this point. Uh, but, uh, I, I wasn't actually getting the cramps anymore though. So it was just, just pure fatigue. Maybe I just, I didn't have the power at this point to, even go hard enough to, to, to fire the cramps up. Um, but, uh, I was able to grind out some of the ATV gravel crimes, but just not, not the stupid steep ones that you kind of felt like you needed climbing gear for, uh, but the, the, the milder ones. And, uh, I kind of said it that way on purpose. Cause there's one, there's one of those climbs up, a through the ATV trail that when I say climbing gear, like I'm actually referring to like ropes and harnesses and like rock climbing gear. Cause yeah, I remembered this one from last year too, but I eventually came to one that I think it's, a, I think it was the same one. I don't know. There was a couple of them last year, but <clears throat> I eventually came to one that, that stands out, um, amongst the rest of those steep ones to find a few people going up it, a few others coming up behind me. Um, it was a little backed up to the right and a few of us worked up the left side of it. And I, I remember this guy in front of me getting up it and literally like dragging his bike up behind him by the handlebar. And, uh, I grabbed a tree with, I remember grabbing a tree with my left hand, my bikes in my right. And I'm kind of like stretched out. I'm like, 
I, I'd like pull my bike up as far as I can past me with my right hand, like trying to get some footing and then like reach out for another tree with my left hand, like pull my bike up alongside me again. It's like, like two of those to get up, up over the crest of it. Um, and it was, I think it was, it was, uh, it was a little easier to the right, but it was just, it was backed up with a few people. And I, so going up it, it was, it was kind of funny. So I remember hearing, I wrote this and I wrote it this way in my report, but I remember hearing vocals from both ends of the spectrum. Uh, that being, you know, lots of cussing on one end and, uh, just like, just pure like kid, kid giggles on the other end. And I don't know, I was, I was, I was probably somewhere in the middle end, but the middle of that, but the, uh, all of the laughter and giggling from the, you know, a few of the folks, they were just like giggling in disbelief, right. That this was in the part of this race and then the trail, uh, it just, it made me laugh and it kind of picked up my spirits. I also knew this thing was about over too. So I remember getting over the top of it, still kind of laughing about all that. Uh, and it just, like I said, it kind of brought my spirits up and, oh, I guess maybe we all need to just laugh more often. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a lesson of this thing is, uh, we just got to laugh more. So I don't know. I start picking up the pace and, and riding stronger from that point. Uh, like I said, I also knew that it's really only a few miles left to the finish and uh, I was going to finish, finish, uh, with my head up regardless, <laughs> regardless of the beating that I had taken throughout the day. I think I ended up riding away from actually most of that group, um, over the next mile or two. And uh, I was, I was ready to get this thing wrapped up. Uh, I, I love the finishes, the finish of races, uh, especially, especially races like this. Um, I mean, I, I, think I, just, I might just read right out of the report here verbatim, but, uh, so sometimes because I'm ready for the, I, I love it obviously because I'm, I'm ready for the suffering and the pain to end, but also because I think I get, I don't think I know, I get a little emotional about these like crazy suffer fest races and whether that's the, the accomplishment that comes along with it of just finishing them. Um, like even if you miss your, your time goal, um, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's cause I know seven, eight years ago, I, I couldn't have done stuff like this. You know, I was 40 pounds heavier than I am now, uh, you know, close to, close to 50 at, at some points. And, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. I know, I know some of you listening to this and some of you that read my reports, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, and, and, uh, it's hard to explain to somebody, but if, if you do this stuff, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us do these things for the same, same reasons. And, uh, I think that's why the community around these events and the folks that write the blogs, whether it's mine or there's a bunch of other ones out there that I, I need to, now that I've got mine written and stuff, I, I want to go read and uh, I'll actually, eventually I'll get links to all those other reports that are out there too. And I'll just drop them in mind so that, you know, if you come across mine, you can find the other eight, nine, 10, however many there are. But, um, anyways, I could, I could go on and on about it, but it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a pretty, pretty cool thing. But, um, anyways, I remember, remember flying down 
down through like a wider ATV trail. Uh, my lights out in front of me. And I was, I was thinking about how cool it was to race the last couple hours in the dark and um, actually make it. You know, without the race going on, I wouldn't have had the same experience. I mean, I, of course, I could, I could, I could experience the ride part, but I would be missing out on that emotional part of the ride, which in my opinion plays a much bigger part in the overall experience and really actually completely changes the experience in itself. It's the, you know, you can go ride and I I ride a lot, but you know, it's the experience and emotion that comes from the experience, uh, the race and that 10, 12 hours of what you just went through and knowing that you're out there going through it with two or 300 other people at the same time. And we're all at different places on it, but, but everybody's going through many of these same motions, same emotions. Uh, you can't get that on just a simple ride on its own. And so it, sometimes it takes the events like this, that, that pull that together. And it's, it's the overall experience of it. And I think it's life-changing in, in many cases and many times. Um, you know, back, back to the report. So, uh, I was coming down some, some kind of semi-rutted ATV section and, I I recognize it from the previous years or, uh, the polar roll earlier in the year, the polar roll went up it and partly why I recognize it. Cause I remember looking at the course maps and realized that coming toward the end of the race, um, I'd be coming down that section that we went up on the polar roll. Um, So I knew I was very close to coming out to that trailhead area that was pretty close to Jasper. It's, it's the area where the polar roll actually entered the trails after climbing up the streets. So I hit the old town streets, found the trail to Jasper. Um, kind of curious what I'd find at the top. I already had all my, all my tokens, um, made it up there, found a few folks up there cheering, cheering me on, uh, read the sign with me that, uh, said we were on the largest exposed gemstone in the world. So eh, kind of a cool little thing to go along with the, the race. So uh, drop back down the single track to uh, exit Jasper, hit the streets of Ishmaween. There's just one little ATV trail section. And I was I was riding pretty fast uh, through there. I, was, I mean, it's the end of the race. You got to finish it up. And, and uh, no matter what type of uh, suffering you did on the day, what kind of beating you took out there on the trail, finish with your head held high, uh, regardless. Cause it's, it's a, a heck of an accomplishment just to finish that thing. So I made the right hand turn to head toward the finish line and then made a sprint for the finish. After I crossed through the road barriers, I was, I was by myself, but in a way really sprinting to the finish line was, was my way of getting back up again after being <laughs> repeatedly knocked down throughout many hours of suffering throughout the day. Um, it actually only uh, took me nine minutes longer to finish that last section from Nagani to Ishmaween in the dark this year than it had the previous year. Um, so I ended up crossing the finish line of the 2017 Margie Gessick 100 in 14 hours and five minutes for a 23rd overall finish. So this was about an hour and 40 minutes slower than the previous year. 
but actually two places better than the previous year. And uh, yeah, at the end of the day, I was I look back pretty pretty happy with my race. So um, yeah, it's a good good day. So um, some thoughts that I wrote here. The uh, I call the Margie Gessick 100 finish line. So I showed my tokens to Danny, shook his hand, collected my Margie Gessick 100 finishers token. Then I found a spot nearby on the sidewalk, sat down, eventually collapsed backwards. I actually started to get a little choked up as I sat there and stared off into space and started thinking about the day. I'm not sure what it was, whether I was thinking about the hard work, the suffering that took place and still missing my goal or the pure joy in knowing that I had just pushed through the toughest thing I've attempted to date and didn't let it completely beat me and uh, still made it to the finish line. Needless to say, I'll be back next year and my registration will be put on, put in this coming Friday, which uh, was actually a few days ago. Actually. So um, I guess what I want to say about this race is having this race out in front of me made me take some chances in other races earlier in the year to learn learn about what I could handle, sort things out, figure things out. It it made me a better rider having this thing out in front of me. It made me a smarter rider. It made me work on things that I otherwise would not have. Uh, Made me tackle some more single track racing early in the year to work on my single track skills. Um, Got me into a couple other hundred mile races leading up to it to just to get me better prepared where I could experience some rocks and some, some gnarly downhill stuff, make me more comfortable on those things. It also kept me focused on keeping my core strong because I knew I couldn't make it through the Margie if I let my, my core go. Uh, and And this year I actually finished the Margie with no back pain, no shoulder pain. Um, just, (laughs) just massive amounts of fatigue. Um, but anyways, I, I wrote in, I wrote in my race report that, uh, race reports for races like this one always seem to be hard to wrap up as I want to continue to reflect on it. But, uh, my race report was, uh, around 9,000 words. So the, uh, this podcast is pushing a, push an hour and a half long. So it's time to wrap up the, the audio version of it as well. But uh, I appreciate everybody tuning in. You ever have questions about any of the stuff I'm working on, uh, races, you know, I had, you know, plenty of folks sending me some some emails asking me a few questions here and there about the race beforehand. Um, feel free to hit me up. And uh, I'll see you up there next year. I'm registered. Race is capped out. If you still want to get on the waiting list, I'm sure there'll be some folks that want to transfer their race at the end of the year uh, or as the race comes up. So thanks for tuning in. Later.